Section nineteen of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book three, chapter six. Smerdyakov. He did, in fact, find his father still at table. Though there was a dining room in the house, the table was laid as usual in the drawing room, which was the largest room, and furnished with old-fashioned ostentation. The furniture was white and very old, upholstered in old red silky material. In the spaces between the windows there were mirrors in elaborate white and gilt frames of old-fashioned carving. On the walls, covered with white paper which was torn in many places, there hung two large portraits one of some prince who had been governor of the district thirty years before and the other of some bishop also long since dead in the corner opposite the door there were several icons before which a lamp was lighted at nightfall not so much for devotional purposes as to light the room fyodor pavlovitch used to go to bed very late at three or four o'clock in the morning and would wander about the room at night or sit in an armchair thinking this had become a habit with him he often slept quite alone in the house sending his servants to the lodge but usually smerdyakov remained sleeping on a bench in the hall when alyosha came in dinner was over but coffee and preserves had been served fyodor pavlovitch liked sweet things with brandy after dinner ivan was also at table sipping coffee the servants grigory and smerdyakov were standing by both the gentlemen and the servants seemed in singularly good spirits fyodor pavlovitch was roaring with laughter before he entered the room alyosha heard the shrill laugh he knew so well and could tell from the sound of it that his father had only reached the good-humoured stage and was far from being completely drunk here he is here he is yelled fyodor pavlovitch highly delighted at seeing alyosha join us sit down coffee is a lenten dish but it's hot and good i don't offer you brandy you're keeping the fast but would you like some no i'd better give you some of our famous liqueur smerdyakov go to the cupboard the second shelf on the right here are the keys look sharp alyosha began refusing the liqueur never mind if you won't have it we will said fyodor pavlovitch beaming but stay have you dined yes answered alyosha who had in truth only eaten a piece of bread and drunk a glass of kvass in the father superior's kitchen though i should be pleased to have some hot coffee bravo my darling he'll have some coffee does it want warming no it's boiling it's capital coffee smerdyakov's making my smerdyakov's an artist at coffee and at fish patties and at fish soup too you must come one day and have some fish soup let me know beforehand but stay didn't i tell you this morning to come home with your mattress and pillow and all have you brought your mattress <laughs> no i haven't said alyosha smiling too ah but you were frightened you were frightened this morning weren't you there my darling i couldn't do anything to vex you do you know ivan i can't resist the way he looks one straight in the face and laughs it makes me laugh all over i'm so fond of him alyosha let me give you my blessing a father's blessing alyosha rose but fyodor pavlovitch had already changed his mind 
no no he said i'll just make the sign of the cross over you for now sit still now we've a treat for you in your own line too it'll make you laugh balaam's ass has begun talking to us here and how he talks how he talks balaam's ass it appeared was the valet smerdyakov he was a young man of about four-and-twenty remarkably unsociable and taciturn not that he was shy or bashful on the contrary he was conceited and seemed to despise everybody but we must pause to say a few words about him now he was brought up by grigory and marfa but the boy grew up with no sense of gratitude as grigory expressed it he was an unfriendly boy and seemed to look at the world mistrustfully in his childhood he was very fond of hanging cats and burying them with great ceremony he used to dress up in a sheet as though it were a surplice and sang and waved some object over the dead cat as though it were a censer all this he did on the sly with the greatest secrecy grigory caught him once at this diversion and gave him a sound beating he shrank into a corner and sulked there for a week he doesn't care for you or me the monster grigory used to say to marfa and he doesn't care for anyone are you a human being he said addressing the boy directly you're not a human being you grew from the mildew in the bathhouse that's what you are smerdyakov it appeared afterwards could never forgive him those words grigory taught him to read and write and when he was twelve years old began teaching him the scriptures but this teaching came to nothing at the second or third lesson the boy suddenly grinned what's that for asked grigory looking at him threateningly from under his spectacles oh nothing god created light on the first day and the sun moon and stars on the fourth day where did the light come from on the first day grigory was thunderstruck the boy looked sarcastically at his teacher there was something positively condescending in his expression grigory could not restrain himself i'll show you where he cried and gave the boy a violent slap on the cheek the boy took the slap without a word but withdrew into his corner again for some days a week later he had his first attack of the disease to which he was subject all the rest of his life epilepsy when fyodor pavlovitch heard of it his attitude to the boy seemed changed at once till then he had taken no notice of him though he never scolded him and always gave him a kopeck when he met him sometimes when he was in good humor he would send the boy something sweet from his table but as soon as he heard of his illness he showed an active interest in him sent for a doctor and tried remedies but the disease turned out to be incurable the fits occurred on an average once a month but at various intervals the fits varied too in violence some were light and some were very severe fyodor pavlovitch strictly forbade grigory to use corporal punishment to the boy and began allowing him to come upstairs to him he forbade him to be taught anything whatever for a time too one day when the boy was about fifteen fyodor pavlovitch noticed him lingering by the bookcase and reading the titles through the glass 
fyodor pavlovitch had a fair number of books over a hundred but no one ever saw him reading he at once gave smerdyakov the key of the bookcase come read you shall be my librarian you'll be better sitting reading than hanging about the courtyard come read this and fyodor pavlovitch gave him evenings in a cottage near dikanka he read a little but didn't like it he did not once smile and ended by frowning why isn't it funny asked fyodor pavlovitch smerdyakov did not speak answer stupid it's all untrue mumbled the boy with a grin then go to the devil you have the soul of a lackey stay here's smaragdov's universal history that's all true read that but smerdyakov did not get through ten pages of smaragdov he thought it dull so the bookcase was closed again shortly afterwards marfa and grigory reported to fyodor pavlovitch that smerdyakov was gradually beginning to show an extraordinary fastidiousness he would sit before his soup take up his spoon and look into the soup bend over it examine it take a spoonful and hold it to the light what is it a beetle grigory would ask a fly perhaps observed marfa the squeamish youth never answered but he did the same with his bread his meat and everything he ate he would hold a piece on his fork to the light scrutinize it microscopically and only after long deliberation decide to put it in his mouth ah what fine gentleman's airs grigory muttered looking at him when fyodor pavlovitch heard of this development in smerdyakov he determined to make him his cook and sent him to moscow to be trained he spent some years there and came back remarkably changed in appearance he looked extraordinarily old for his age his face had grown wrinkled yellow and strangely emasculate in character he seemed almost exactly the same as before he went away he was just as unsociable and showed not the slightest inclination for any companionship in moscow too as we heard afterwards he had always been silent moscow itself had little interest for him he saw very little there and took scarcely any notice of anything he went once to the theatre but returned silent and displeased with it on the other hand he came back to us from moscow well dressed in a clean coat and clean linen he brushed his clothes most scrupulously twice a day invariably and was very fond of cleaning his smart calf boots with a special english polish so that they shone like mirrors he turned out a first-rate cook fyodor pavlovitch paid him a salary almost the whole of which smerdyakov spent on clothes pomade perfumes and such things but he seemed to have as much contempt for the female sex as for men he was discreet almost unapproachable with them fyodor pavlovitch began to regard him rather differently his fits were becoming more frequent and on the days he was ill marfa cooked which did not suit fyodor pavlovitch at all why are your fits getting worse asked fyodor pavlovitch looking askance at his new cook would you like to get married shall i find you a wife but smerdyakov turned pale with anger and made no reply 
fyodor pavlovitch left him with an impatient gesture the great thing was that he had absolute confidence in his honesty it happened once when fyodor pavlovitch was drunk that he dropped in the muddy courtyard three hundred rouble notes which he had only just received he only missed them next day and was just hastening to search his pockets when he saw the notes lying on the table where had they come from smerdyakov had picked them up and brought them in the day before well my lad i've never met anyone like you fyodor pavlovitch said shortly and gave him ten roubles we may add that he not only believed in his honesty but had for some reason a liking for him although the young man looked as morosely at him as at every one and was always silent he rarely spoke if it had occurred to any one to wonder at the time what the young man was interested in and what was in his mind it would have been impossible to tell by looking at him yet he used sometimes to stop suddenly in the house or even in the yard or street and would stand still for ten minutes lost in thought a physiognomist studying his face would have said that there was no thought in it no reflection but only a sort of contemplation there is a remarkable picture by the painter kramskoy called contemplation there is a forest in winter and on a roadway through the forest in absolute solitude stands a peasant in a torn kaftan and bark shoes he stands as it were lost in thought yet he is not thinking he is contemplating if anyone touched him he would start and look at one as though awakening and bewildered it's true he would come to himself immediately but if he were asked what he had been thinking about he would remember nothing yet probably he has hidden within himself the impression which had dominated him during the period of contemplation those impressions are dear to him and no doubt he hoards them imperceptibly and even unconsciously how and why of course he does not know either he may suddenly after hoarding impressions for many years abandon everything and go off to jerusalem on a pilgrimage for his soul's salvation or perhaps he will suddenly set fire to his native village and perhaps do both there are a good many contemplatives among the peasantry well smerdyakov was probably one of them and he probably was greedily hoarding up his impressions hardly knowing why end of section nineteen